Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. This is going to be a fantastic hour. Bob and Cheryl Moeller are in my studio, and I love that. Bob is back. This time Cheryl's live, so this is going to be a great hour. You know, a damaged heart leads to damaged relationships. Hmm. But a healed heart leads to healed relationships. That is going to be the premise of our discussion today with the Mullers. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to give all kinds of the 12 different types of damaged hearts and the symptoms of a damaged heart and how a healed heart is going to make a big difference in our lives. And you're probably going to have questions along the way. If you hear a point made that you would like clarification on, we're absolutely open to taking your questions but they would need to come in the form of a text. And the text line is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Let's take 60 seconds, then we'll bring on the molars. Worshiping the Risen King together. Faith Radio. A dollar a day for 70 years. I still have a little bit of summer left. Don't make me do math. Okay, I won't. But for 70 years, friends have given to Faith Radio 50 cents a day, a dollar, even more. And while I promised you you won't have to do math, that does add up to something special. A whole lot of lives changed through the love and power of God. Will you be a part of year 71 and beyond? Faith Radio is listener-supported. You can find out how to get involved at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, welcome to the show. I've got Bob and Cheryl Moeller in studio. Their uh, website is FourKeepsMinistries.com. And... They've written a book, and it's called the Six. I don't six have the book in front of, of me. The Six Hearts of Intimacy. So you guys know all about that. And today we're going to talk about a damaged heart, and that's going to lead to damaged relationships. But a healed heart will lead to healed relationships. And if you are in that place of a damaged heart in a difficult relationship, you want to turn up the volume. That's right. You know, uh, Bill. For years as a pastor. Um, I really tried to help people with their marriages and didn't get very far. Often I felt like uh, the hours I invested, well-intentioned, but little fruit. And as I would come to discover, as Cheryl and I would learn, it's because our focus was in the wrong place. Mm. We were trying to change people's thinking toward each other. 
And that isn't the primary issue. Uh, the primary issue is what type of heart do they have toward one another? Uh, the heart is where we give and receive love. Everybody has a heart. Everyone's born with one. God has a heart. The word heart mentioned 900 times in Scripture as the place where we give and receive love. How can I say it's the main issue in a marriage or in a relationship? Well, Jesus says that. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, they asked him if it was okay to end a marriage for any and every reason. He responds and says, no, what God has uh, joined together, don't let anyone take apart. And they go, well, how about Moses? Moses, you know, commanded that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus replies in Matthew 19, 8, and this is pivotal to our understanding of how to heal a marriage. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. He didn't say your thinking was all goofed up. (laughs) He didn't say, you know, your communication skills just aren't what they should be. Mm -hmm. He said it goes a lot deeper than that, what we call the root. In fact, I think so much time is spent unproductively in marriages trying to solve your problems with what I call fruit issues, the fruit on the tree. We're arguing. We don't like each other. We disagree. Our in-laws are in the way, and you can just, you know, make a long list of things that divide people. But what I didn't realize, and what I think most people don't realize, is those are fruit issues, and you can't fix a tree by trying to fix its fruit. You've got to go to the root. So what is the root of it? Well, here Jesus said, your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. So if a hard heart is what destroys intimacy and love in a relationship, getting back to the way it was in the beginning, the way God designed it to be, is the answer. And that is a heart that is healed, a heart that is healed of two things, sin and pain. Um, The Bible clearly says both will damage our hearts. Sin will harden a heart. And a broken heart, (laughs) a wounded heart, um, a crushed heart is also going to interfere in our our relationships. Um, So... The, the answer is, to kind of jump at the beginning and then we'll work back from it, is, is for Jesus to forgive our sin and heal our pain. Sin is what other people do to us, or, or what we, we do, excuse me, our own choices. But pain is what other people do. And it's not a sin to have pain in your life. It's just pain. And I think Cheryl and I have discovered through the years that, let's just talk about working with Christian couples whose marriages are deeply troubled or near the end, of the time, it's pain issues. It's not sin issues. Now, pain can lead to sin. We can get bitter and we can, you know, turn to pornography or we can do different things that sin. But most of the time, it's pain that's the origin of this. So if you don't heal the pain, you're not going to heal the relationship. I didn't understand that. And so years I spent in frustration and often futility. But since then, Um, when Cheryl and I began focusing on sin and pain issues in the heart, the results have been um, incredible, incredibly uh, satisfying to see God heal marriages uh, over and over and over again. Now, there's a lot we're going to try to cover today. So if we can, let's jump into the symptoms of a damaged heart. Okay. um, The symptoms, here's five of them. I'm sure there's plenty more, but 
One is playing the sculpture where you're, um, we have a relative that said, you know, I've, I've worked on my husband and he's coming along, but I still have a lot to do. You know, he actually heard her say that. <laughs> that is a sculpture. Sculpture is my favorite art form, but, you know, it, it's not a game to be playing so with in other your words, spouse. In other words, there's one person in the relationship that has trouble, and it's... Well, actually, both do. They think always it's the other person. Of course they do. That's, that, that's the point I was trying and, to get at. And there, yeah, we have a saying in our ministry, no matter how thin the pancake, it always has two sides. And so there's always, you know, another side to this. But trying to change the other person, I can't think of anything more futile. It's got to be one of those Swedish pancakes because those are the really thin <laughs> very ones. Thin. Yes. Very thin. With lingonberries, yeah. Very, yeah. Exactly. Now I'm hungry. Okay, let's move on, Cheryl. The second one is emotional window shopping where, and it kind of goes along with the number three, living with perpetual regret. So you're always thinking, wow, you know, he or she could have been easier to live with and or... um wow, I blew it, I, you know, could have waited another year or just really ruminating is not the way to go. No, you start looking around saying, well, if I had that marriage or that husband or that wife, (laughs) would life be great or what? And you start emotionally window shopping, which, of course, is the ramp up in many cases to an emotional or an actual physical affair. Because then you go... Decide to go in and make a purchase. Yeah, you quit from window the shopping. Emotional yeah. window shopping. Yeah, so uh, when you start looking around, it's a danger sign mm-hmm. because you're not content in your own relationship, and you really believe the other another person is the answer. Which uh, I don't know how many people have bought that lie, only to discover. They took the same damaged heart with them from the last marriage into the next one. Well, what about they took the same damaged heart into the beginning of the marriage that never got healed? Absolutely. We believe that 80% of the damage done to our heart happens by age 18. Now, that's important because our personalities don't change that much after age 18, actually. Um, But most people aren't married by 18, at least in today's culture. And they may not even have met the person by age 18. Um, and yet they're blaming that other person for the uh, pain and the problems in their heart and whatever. When in fact, structurally speaking, the damage was already done, the the spouse is just stepping on it. They're just stepping on the pain that was already there. Okay, what's next, Cheryl? Well, um, practicing criticism or sarcasm. So we really see sarcasm as like anger, with a smile. Anger with a smile. <laughs> so lots of biting teeth in those remarks. Exactly. Yeah, but the teeth are showing. Exactly. Yeah. And, oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, you know, I don't, well, yeah, why, you know, sarcasm and, and criticism of each other is just veiled anger right. is all it is. It's just, it's. What do you really want to say? Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, how much of the humor about um, marriage is really just sarcasm? You know, did you wake, do you ever wake up snarky, mean, and ugly? No, I let him sleep. You right, know, that type right. of thing. There's always, you know, for some reason, um, particularly, I don't know why, but marriage, when you hear it discussed, laughed at, and whatever, it's, it's usually there's it's anger. 
And what is anger? It's frustration that's covering pain, that's covering hurt. So when you have anger in a marriage, it's not really anger, it's hurt. And yet very few people ever get down to that level to discuss it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, the fifth one is leveraging your love. So in other words, it's like if you do this or if you change in this area, then I'll love you more or love you like I should or mm-hmm. uh, just... Yeah, it's a bargaining chip. It's saying, you know, I I can't love you because of, but if you do this or do that, then I will love you. And so pretty soon the other person starts playing that game as well. You know, if you get a better job, if you, you know, tell our in-laws to get out of our marriage, if whatever, then I will do this or then I will do that. And so it's a transaction. It becomes a business deal, Mm -hmm. you know, and it becomes leveraged. And that isn't love. That isn't love in any way, shape, or form as scripture, you know, describes it, where love is really basically a towel in a basin where you ask, how can I serve you? How can I care about you? How can I meet your needs rather than how can I manipulate you into what I want? What if your heart is too damaged to be able to do that? Well, that's a starting place. And, you know, that's the beginning of healing is recognizing the heart is the problem. You know, Isaiah 61 was a prophecy regarding the ministry of Christ. And Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus lived, said, this is what his ministry is going to be like. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's the forgiveness of sin, the gospel as we know it. But then it goes on to say, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And so until we realize that our spouse may be a problem, but they're not the problem. Until we come to that place, we're not going to make any progress. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back lots more with Bob and Cheryl Muller. Um, we're talking about a damaged heart leads to damaged relationships and a healed heart to healed relationships. Certainly take your questions if you have one. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of material today, so we may not have time, but if you need some clarification on something, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be back in 90 seconds. We're back with Bob and Cheryl Muller. They're in studio, and I'm very glad they are. We're talking about a damaged heart leads to damaged relationships, but a healed heart leads to healed relationships. And the symptoms of a damaged heart, we've got a couple left here on the list. Maybe you would talk about feeling a lack of sympathy and emotion. Yeah, we call this detachment. Okay. And, and we'll get to that just a little bit later in the different types. But, but somebody who doesn't feel anything, and that's, that's a common complaint in deeply troubled marriages, I have no feeling towards you. There's actually three stages to a marriage, intimacy, conflict, and withdrawal. Uh, intimacy is where we want to live. Conflict is where we drop down into occasionally. But if we go back, solve it, we're back to intimacy. But the third stage, withdrawal, becomes deadly. That's where we lose our feelings for one another, and that's a sign of a damaged heart. Okay. How about becoming easily angered and unwilling to forgive? Well, that's resentment. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, unforgiveness where... 
uh, we get to the place where we can't let go of anything that's happened to us, anything the other person has done, and we keep, we keep squirreling away these off offenses, what we call injustice collecting, and we save them for our favorite fight. <laughs> When we need to leverage something, then we open the closet and pull out a pass injustice. How do you guys fight together? I mean, how do you how do you go up against this, Cheryl? Well, and he was the Minnesota state debate champion, oh. nineteen seventy three. Say no more. And then debated also at Bethel. But you know what? No. Um, <laughs> let's let's just say that uh, we have learned. Uh, that no one wins a fight. Of course not. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's won, someone's lost, Mm -hmm. then you both have lost. Okay. As we talk about a damaged heart, let's talk about and share with our listeners the emotional pain ladder. What is that? Please explain. Well, a friend of mine named John Regeer, who's been a remarkably effective uh, marriage pastor, Uh, came up with this idea that our hearts go through stages of woundedness and each stage is more serious than the last one. And I'll just go over the 12. Uh, The first is hurt. That's where you get on the pain ladder. Think of this as a 12-rung ladder. From hurt, if that's not healed, forgiven, reconciled, it moves to pain. Hurt causes pain. That's logical. Pain, if it isn't resolved, becomes frustration because any time you have pain that won't go away, that's very frustrating. Uh, from frustration, we move into anger. So a lot of people who are angry are not really angry. They're frustrated because they're in pain because they're hurt. From frustration morphs into depression. And a great deal of depression is just hurt that has been turned inward in the form of anger. From there, we go to anxiety. From anxiety, we move on to where we stop talking. Now, that doesn't mean we don't say anything. We just quit sharing what we're really thinking. From stopping to talk, we then pull away from relationships. We start isolating ourselves because they're too painful. Once we do that, we lose our sense of identity. Next rung up the pain ladder, we don't know who we are because we're, our relationships are in shambles or we're isolated now. From there, we start making impulsive decisions. We, we recklessly try and fix things, and that's where a lot of addictions, I think, get kicking. And from there, it leads to despair because impulsive choices will take you there and from despair to suicidal thoughts. Now, not everybody goes up the ladder all the way to the top, thank heavens, and we can go up and down depending on the vicissitudes of our marriage or circumstances. But here's the good news, and I want to jump in with some. Uh, No matter which rung you're on the pain ladder today, those listening, there's really only one issue to solve, not six, five, eleven, or twelve. The one issue is, what's the hurt? What hurt started me up the pain ladder in my heart? Because if I resolve the hurt, the others will collapse on top of it. Wow. So if I wanted to do a diagnostic on whether or not I have a damaged heart, is there a way I can do a little self-diagnostic test? You've got something available online? Yes, we do. To see, some people have more than one. Some people have... um, uh, just one, but most people have more than one, all the way up to 12. And um, that will be an hour after the show. That will be on our website, okay. keepsministries.com. I mean, it's on there now, but it's too hard to find. Sure. And you can just take it. You um, print it off yourself, take it. You can score it yourself and then keep it for your own personal yeah. devotions and to talk to your spouse about it. Okay. We call it the personal heart exam. If people want to remember that, 
go to our website for Keeps Ministries, look for the personal heart exam. And you can download it for free okay. and it's self-scoring. Okay. Let's uh, start getting into the 12 types of damaged hearts. This is kind of a long list. Let's let's jump in. Yeah, again, I'm grateful to my friend uh, John McGear for his uh, book, 12 Locked Hearts. And uh, the first one is the abandoned heart. And this is where you lost your parents' presence, one or the other, or both in your formative years. And abandonment became one of the dominant emotional themes of your life. Take that into adulthood. You have an argument with your spouse. Your fear spikes. Uh, they're going to abandon me. They're going to leave me. And so people live with this constant gnawing feeling. Somebody's going to walk away. Yeah. You can't really get abandoned as an adult, can you? People choose to leave one another, but you don't get abandoned. Abandoned, do you? It sure feels like it, okay. though. It, okay. it, all these things hyperlink back to our childhood okay. or adolescence. So, you know, technically speaking, maybe as an adult, you don't see it as abandonment because you can still function on your own. Right. But emotionally, maybe you're still five years old. Gotcha. Okay. All right. The next one, uh, the neglected heart. What about that? Loss of needed nurture, acceptance, and love. So maybe your parent was physically there with you, but they neglected you. And also about the abandoned heart, to a child, it doesn't matter if, you know, if dad is down at the corner bar six nights a week, or honestly, if he's at church board meetings six nights a week. There has to be a certain amount of time that the parents are home with the kids, both quality and quantity, because to a three-year-old and eight-year-old, they have no idea where you are. Even if you tell them, they just know that you're gone. Absence mm-hmm. is still absence, yeah, regardless of its motive. Some can't be avoided, obviously, um, but... This kind of uh, abandonment and neglect becomes more intentional. It's mm-hmm. not just accidental. Mm-hmm. I have Bob and Cheryl Moeller in studio, and their website is fourkeepsministries.com. I know you're in town for a couple of events coming up. We're going to go to break here in just a minute. Let us listeners know yeah, for Wednesday those in the morning. Twin Cities area. Yeah, in the Twin Cities, uh, church leaders, staff members, pastors, Sunday, uh, Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m., at Cross Point Church in Bloomington, Cross Point Church. The Minnesota Church Ministries Association is sponsoring a free morning where they're sharing resources that are available to churches. And I'm going to be speaking on this subject that the heart nice. is the heart of all relationships. Nice. And right. free breakfast. <laughs> oh, now you're talking. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a little break. If you have a question and you have heard something you'd like clarification on or you want to ask a further question, 877-933-2484. Bob and Cheryl Muller are in studio. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue going through the 12 types of damaged hearts. So far, we've gotten to the abandoned heart and the neglected heart. Coming up next, the angry heart and the defiled heart. That's next uh, coming up after the break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. with Bob and Cheryl Moeller. Their ministry is forkeepsministries.com. We're talking about the damaged heart, 
leads to damaged relationships, and a healed heart will lead to healed relationships. And let's go back to the 12 different types of damaged hearts. We started with the abandoned heart and the neglected heart. Let's move to the angry heart. Who wants to jump in on that one? Uh, well, I guess it's my turn. The angry t- heart is characterized by uh, resentment, um, e- emotional outbursts, uncontrolled outs- outbursts, and, uh, and hostility. And with that, of course, can come words and, and sometimes even actions. But anger itself, you know, there's, there's so much said about anger management. But the anger that really wounds another heart, we, we don't want to manage that. We want to get rid of it. You know, it's just like other sins in our life. I'm, you know, um, jealousy management, uh, lust management. <laughs> it's, it, you don't manage it. Um, it says uh, in the book of James, my, my dear brothers, you know, take note of this. All of us should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth, it says, and humbly accept the word planted in you that can save you. You know, some um, anger of the kind we're describing, you know, on the pain ladder, that's the fourth level that you get to. But if somebody's perpetually angry, so often they make their spouse or their kids or others feel like they're responsible. Well, if you hadn't done this, if you only were more this way, if you were less this, and, and that's just basically bogus. You know, it's nobody can make us angry. We have to choose to be. And that anger so often stems from something that goes so much further back. Mm -hmm. I had a um, listener jump in. She said, I would take issue with the stated fact that it doesn't matter if daddy is at the bar or at a church board meeting. It does matter. Ministry can take up too much time for a dad, just as entertainment can, both need checks and balances, but to say it doesn't matter in the life of a child is just not true. Well, obviously, if I, I appreciate the correction. If we're talking about the moral equivalency of being at a board meeting versus a bar, obviously one's, one's awful. But we were talking about the impact of prolonged absences right. for whatever reasons. Um, Cheryl's, Cheryl's a, M, a PK. I'm, we raised six kids. And we became very aware that for all the right reasons, I could be gone or we could be preoccupied. But to the kids, did it really matter, at least at an age where I just want to spend time with my dad right. or mom? So, no, morally equivalent, she's so right. Right. But if you're talking about the impact, um, when it's out of balance, when it's... When, when abandonment becomes your need to be needed as an adult in some setting, I, I had to tell people as a pastor, you need to go home. I appreciate your volunteerism, <laughs> but you honestly need to go home because you have a family too. Mm-hmm. And I hope that clarifies what we're Well, getting. and we know a lot of families that just have one family night a week. In other words, one family meal, one dinner a week, because otherwise they're all gone. And we just really, really um, were uh, jealous of our time as a family and called it nesting time, mm-hmm. where everybody needs to be in the nest three or four nights a week. And it's tough to do, but you got to fight for your family time. Yeah, let me just on this point so we can move on, but let me just say that one of the qualifications of an elder is that they manage their own household well. 
Mm-hmm. And you cannot do that by remote control. You can't phone that in. Uh, there are times ministry took me overseas. There were times emergencies got me up in the middle of the night. My kids understood that. That didn't damage them. But if they sensed that, you know what? Dad's job means more to him than we do. That is damaging. Now, Jesus, he's first, obviously. But that doesn't mean that our job, if it's in ministry, should be before our children and our spouse. Um, You know, there's a distinction between giving Jesus our best and then wanting to be on every committee, you know, to do this, to do that, uh, for reasons that, you know, if we really get beneath the surface, are not always that healthy. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to the defiled heart. That's a big one. The defiled heart is the result of physical sexual or emotional abuse. And we say the person uh, who was defiled is not the defiled one. The person who defiled them is the defiled heart. Yeah, a lot of people feel like they're damaged goods because they were physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused. No one will ever want me if they really knew my past. And that's very heartbreaking because uh, that's just not the truth. The person, as Cheryl said, who hurt them is defiled, but they're not, not in the eyes of God. And that's part of how we try and help people come back from those experiences is to dismiss the lies. Mm-hmm. All right, the detached heart. The detached heart is emotionally withdraws in painful situations. So it's um, kind of like if, lights go off in the house and you, you know, have a few switches off in the basement on the main thing. Well, this is where all of them are off. We honestly know people where there's, it's like there's nobody home. Like you could wave your hand in front of them and they don't blink. Yeah, they've unplugged their emotions because life's just too painful. And so they detach or... And, and they think, well, I'm stable because I'm not high, I'm not low, I'm just this way. But really, mm-hmm. they're just detached. Okay, the judgmental heart. Well, this is somebody who um, is critical and negative in how they evaluate others. A lot of perfectionists uh, have a judgmental heart. Why, why don't you live up to my expectations? Why don't you do things the way I do it? And if we're not careful as Christians, we can baptize perfectionism as, well, I'm just trying, you know, to call all of you to a higher standard. Well, higher standards are good, but the only way we'll ever really achieve perfection is through the cross of Christ, not through our efforts. Mm -hmm. What about the bitter heart? Never forgives or lets go of injustices and past hurts. You're holding on. You're keeping a record of wrongs, it sounds like. Yeah, bitterness, the Bible tells us, uh, is a root that can end up defiling many. Mm-hmm. And uh, bitterness um, is often somebody who cannot accept the pain that has been visited in their life, and they can't accept or let go of things their spouse has said or done. And so it just grows and grows and accumulates. And the Bible is very, very specific about warning about bitterness in um, all the damage that it can really do to us and to our children and to other people who are around us. You know, the answer is to, to wrongs is reconciliation. The answer to wrongs done to you is forgiveness. It's not bitterness. 
Um, and I know people have heard this before, but bitterness is the poison we drink, hoping the other person will die of, um, of poisoning. Mm-hmm. Now, the controlling heart, say, say, talk about that, because that seems like it might be a big one. Well, the controlling heart is driven by fear. Okay. If I'm not in control telling people what to do, what to think, where to go, if I'm not dominating others, uh, controlling people, um, yeah, they're, they're fearful. Uh, one of the things we talk about in our ministry is what we call the turbocharger or the uh, bulldozer. Somebody who is controlling and angry, put those together, maybe with impossible expectations. What are they trying to do? They're trying to keep anyone from hurting them or from from doing anything that would damage them. And so you get anywhere near them, you get zapped by their electric fence Mm -hmm. or you get bulldozed by them. And uh, control, we're we're not called to control other people. We're called to practice self-control. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, but... um, Controlling people are very hard to be around, and in a marriage, uh, it really eventually produces rebellion. Uh, It often leads to one spouse who's been controlling the other one day inverts or flips, as we call it, and they become super controlling. All right. What about the prideful heart? What is the prideful heart? Self-focused in relationships. So... um, you know, several of these other ones remind me of that, but the prideful heart is really a tough, tough one uh, to talk to couples about when you spot it in their spouse. <laughs> it's kind of, it's all about me and it's my pain. See, I, I think we can become self-focused with our hurt, with our rejection, with all we've been through. And so we get up each morning and all we really think about is how I'm hurting Now, that's understandable on one level, but think about it. If all your bandwidth emotionally goes to caring for your thinking about yourself, maybe pitying yourself, you don't have much left for anyone else. And that becomes uh, prideful when when it's all about me. And we're not doing what Philippians said to look out not only to our interests, but the other interests of others. And Cheryl's right. No one likes to be told that they have a pride problem. But in reality, most of us do. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we've gone through nine. We've got a few left. The rebellious heart reacts negatively to authority figures. What does that mean? Well, uh, rebellion uh, is often set up by an injustice that's happened in our lives that never got resolved, never got, um, you know, it, it, it never got recognized or, or validated even. Instead, we lived with that injustice, and maybe it went over, It was repeated many times in our life, and we finally decide, you know what? Um, I'm going to set up my own system of morality. I'm going to set up my own system of authority because the one I'm under isn't working for me. It didn't protect me. It didn't care for me, and um, it didn't recognize what's going on. So rebellion sometimes, yeah, it was one of the original sin, if not, you know, Adam and Eve rebelled against God and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, scripture says, and iniquity, you know, as divination. But rebellion, I I, I don't want, let me say this, Bill, I want to offer an explanation, not an excuse. And there's a difference. The explanation I see in many Christians' lives for rebellion is things that happened that were never resolved. And the devil came along and said, if I were you, I'd just get rid of this whole system. I'd get rid of God. I'd get rid of the church or I'd, you know, whatever. 
when in fact um, that's the wrong way to approach it. But rebellion is often the result of, of things that were never resolved that should have been. And then we go in the way that, uh, that leads to sin and rebellion. The Bible says the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Mm-hmm. And your life does end up that way. Well, and it's so interesting. A lot of missionaries' kids and pastors' kids are super successful in, in every way. But there are that minority that are rebellious. And um, when a group of missionary kids were interviewed about it, that's what they found is that there was a, you know, injustice, a hurt, big or small, from growing up on the mission field uh, or in a parsonage. And they kind of... um, just use that. I mean, and a lot of other ones come in to play there, like bitter, bitter, judgmental and all of those, but it really set up a rebellious heart and they thought it was justified. Yeah. Again, we're not excusing. We're only trying to explain because if you don't get to the explanation, you may not get to the resolution. But years ago, um, I talked to a a retired missions executive, and I'm not picking on missionaries, I, a pastor, I could talk about our own issues, but um, uh, his job was to go find adult children who had strayed from the faith, who were raised as MKs or on the mission field. And I, a, a noble thing to go out and search out kids who had left the faith or were no longer walking with the Lord. And um, he listened to their stories, and time after time after time, this theme kept coming up of things that had happened that never got ignored or never got acknowledged or validated. Okay. I so admire this mission agency. They actually held a public service, invited all these kids back and apologized to them that we should have as children heard you, or we should have done this, or we could have done this better. And they actually asked their forgiveness. And I have to believe that resulted in the renewal, the repentance, the, you know, whatever. Again, I don't want to say we're justified in doing these things. I'm just talking about what happens when, when, um, when, when hurts are caused, particularly within the church or by believers or by others. And, and Cheryl and I, I mean, we were in the church 25 years as a pastor. She was raised in a pastor's home. I was raised in a church here in Minneapolis. And things happened that you really wish somebody had talked about. Yeah, no kidding. All right, the last two are the immoral heart and the temporal values heart, but I do want to go to break right now, and I want to get on to what is a healed heart. And did you know that uh, 90% of us marry our most difficult parent if we came from a troubled home? We'll take a short break. We'll be back with Bob and Cheryl Moeller in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. Bob and Cheryl Muller are in studio. Their ministry is uh, website is fourkeepsministries.com. And they've written a book called The Six Hearts of Intimacy. And we're talking about damaged hearts today. And, of course, uh, we want to get on to what will uh, heal a heart and release someone from this pain that they've probably been living with for a long time. So here's the big question. What is a healed heart? Well, the healed heart, um, uh, 
is a heart that has been released from sin and healed of pain. Those are the two things that are at the core of what we do when we're working with couples, is we try and get to the sin issues where they exist. And again, I find that usually that's about 20% of the issues most of the time um, that are at work, 80% of our pain issues. And the pain has often led to the sin um, as well. So we take people through forgiveness prayers in which you need to forgive the people who have hurt you and you need to confess and agree with God. Uh, The word confession in Greek means to agree with. Mm -hmm. And so you agree with God, I've done this. You confess to your spouse, you confess to God. And you you turn to the gospel, of course, uh, for those who don't know Jesus Christ. You point them to the truth of the gospel and that uh, our sin is forgiven because of Christ's atoning work and we need to put faith in that finished work. And I have to tell you, Bill, I've seen so many couples go through our week of working with them who are not Christians, and we'll take Christians or non-Christians who come to us, and by the end of the week, they realize, hey, if I'm going to forgive, I need help. Can you tell me how I could get past this thing? And uh, There's an opportunity to share the gospel, and we get to do that often. Pain, there's two ways that you heal pain. One is you have your spouse begin caring about it. In other words, they begin to understand what caused you pain. How did you get an abandoned heart, a neglected heart? How did you get, you know, this, this critical heart? You know, where did, where did it begin and what happened to you? And you just start caring and saying, I wish I had been there when your dad walked out and left you at four years old and ran off with someone else or your mom or whatever. I wish I could have been there. I would have, I would have hugged that little boy or girl mm. and said, you're going to be okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here with you. I'll never leave you. Well, obviously, you can't go back and do that in time. But as an adult, you can hold them and start caring about their pain. I have them hold hands and look into each other's eyes and say, I wish I'd been there to love you in this time of hurt or pain. People start crying. They start hugging each other. Someone cares. Mm. Bill, just identifying what broke your heart is halfway towards getting it healed just getting to the issues. So many people will say to us, I never realized that what's going on with us today was so rooted in what happened then. And now that my spouse knows about it, um, they want to begin caring for those hurts and wounds. And, And when they start doing that, I can just tell you something really, really powerful starts to happen. Second thing, we need to ask Jesus, how would you bring peace to my heart? John 14, 25 to 27 Jesus said that he would send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who would teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. And he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You know, just in that simple paragraph is the answer. If we come to Jesus and say, how would you heal my heart? He's promised that the Holy Spirit will come and teach us and remind us of what he said. In other words, he'll bring the word of God to bear upon our wound. And he will bring a peace when he brings that scripture to our lives that we need so desperately. And it's not like it just, uh, you know, here's a verse that will do it. No, the Holy Spirit takes it with laser-like intensity and says, here is the answer to that wound that has been open for so many years. Sometimes it's a Bible story. Sometimes it's a biblical character. Sometimes it's a passage of Scripture. But the Holy Spirit said, Jesus said, he'll send a counselor 
who will teach you what you need to know. He's not going to teach you zeology or, or astrophysics. He's going to teach you what you need to find peace. And in prayer, we lead people that way for the Holy Spirit to take God's Word, apply it to their heart, and the release, the freedom, the healing, it's just a miracle to watch. Just as you describe that if a person suffered some pain or hurt at age four and the other person comes along and says, I wish I could have been there caring for that four-year-old. And you talk about the tears. I mean, I was tearing up when you were just saying that. It's just such a beautiful image that if you want to love a person over a life, you care enough about those moments to help heal that pain. Pretty powerful. Yeah, and when um, I, I actually give a couple a paragraph when they leave, we they come for five days, three hours a day to this, and we work with just one couple a week. But I give them a paragraph when they leave. I'll send it to them the next day or two in which we'll summarize what wounded their heart and how their spouse will now begin caring for that with love. Remember, love is the greatest, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the greatest, and it love is what brings healing to these wounds. And so I have them read these paragraphs to each other. It is um, identify, remove, replace is the strategy with the hurt. Identify it, remove it in prayer, replace it with love. Give them the opposite of what they never received as a child. If it was abandonment, give them your focused attention. If it was criticism, affirm them every day. Build them up. If it was abuse, protect them and value them and and safeguard them. It's giving them the opposite of what happened that was wrong or providing what never was given. And, And, Bill, that leads to transformed and healed hearts. Say more about the idea that 90% of us marry our most difficult parent. I don't know why that is, but it's true. <laughs> but say, yeah. And that's if you came from a dysfunctional home. It's not in every yeah. case. Why? It's what's familiar to us. Uh, uh, sadly, what we saw as children became what was the norm, became what we expect out of relationships. And if it was very damaged and there was a lot of conflict or abuse or addictions or any number of things, we know that. And we seem to have our radar, emotionally speaking, set on that frequency. And so as adults, as much as we hated it as kids, we find ourselves being drawn to the familiar. And I don't know, it's like both of you have this radar going, if you both have damaged hearts. And the infatuation temporarily covers it over. Oh, we're in love. It's temporary insanity. (laughs) (laughs) But then a a year or two into marriage, the wallpaper comes down and all of that raw hurt is there and you're stepping on it. And now you're blaming the other person. You know, you're causing me all this pain. As I tell people, your spouse may be a problem. They're not the problem. I'm not arguing with you that they're a problem to you with this, this and that but it's not the problem. They're only stepping on pain that more or less existed before you two ever met. So get rid of them. Okay, you get rid of them. The pain is still there and somebody else will step on it. That's so true. Um, So when people come to you for this week, how many couples are trying to improve their marriage and how many are this is a Hail Mary because we're almost completely done? We're pretty much the Hail Mary. (laughs) The Hail Mary, yeah. Because we're... Uh, where people come when a biblical counselor or pastor 
hasn't been able to help them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of stage four, stage five, which in Chicago, the hospitals that are stage four and stage five are literally taking people off the tollway. Okay. Um, you know, they're... You know, we we don't compete with anyone. We, we, we affirm everyone that has sought out help and counsel, but sometimes they'll say, can we pass somebody on? Or sometimes a pastor will say, I don't know what to do with this situation. And Cheryl and I have this basic conviction that no marriage is hopeless. Um, people say we've gone too far. There, there's no road back. Well, uh, if we had another hour, we'd tell you stories of people who found the road back. That's fantastic. So if you want to take the heart exam, it's going to be available on the website in about an hour. And also all these notes. And all these notes. This is all going to be available on forkeepsministries.com. You're going to want to go back and review this and maybe take the notes and listen to the podcast again. That way you'll get more out of it because all of the types of damaged hearts, you may find yourself one, two, or ten of them. And there is a a way to a healed heart, and you can deal with your pain and you're going to have a much better relationship. That wraps up our show. Thank you so much. Uh, Bob is going to be speaking Wednesday at Cross Point uh, Lutheran Church. Or at Cross Point, Cross Point. It's, it's Evangelical, Evangelical Free Church, I'm 98th sorry. in France. Of course, 98th yeah. in France. And then uh, you'll be speaking at a church in Buffalo on Sunday. That's right. Yep. That wraps up our show. Thank you so much for listening and, and supporting Faith Radio. You can go over to MyFaithRadio.com. Have a good night. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.